We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Hornets fans, and welcome back to another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I'm joined with the full crew here with Lee, Ryan, and Spencer. We are here live on audio with Twitter Spaces. We've got live video going on on Twitch and in YouTube. If you guys would like to interact with us, whether that's through a Twitter Spaces request or through the comment section of YouTube, we can definitely display that on this episode. For this episode, we're going to be discussing the trade deadline as it is quickly approaching here, February 9th. We will talk about how the Hornets should and could approach this and maybe even come up with some fake trades as well. So, you know, Spencer, I know this is kind of like one of your favorite parts of the year, I think, outside of the basketball court. You know, for me, I I like talking about free agency a little bit more, but you you definitely live for this, Spencer. Yeah, I I live for having a two and a half year old is what I live for now. But, but yes, the trade deadline does uh, excite me, especially this year, because it's been hard to watch Hornets basketball. I, I, I'll be completely upfront. I've watched far less Hornets basketball this season than I've watched in a long time. Being a part of this uh, very esteemed podcast, maybe I shouldn't admit that, but it's just the truth. So, you know, and I think that, uh, I, I do think that the Hornets have some opportunity at this trade deadline. There's some complications. There's some things that definitely make trades more difficult specifically the player that that i um dug in on which we'll get to later uh but hey i'm excited i i really am richie like i'm excited for february the 9th it's the first thing i've been excited for all season for the heart it's so and also nervous <laughs> obviously lee and uh brian how does this compare to draft chatter uh not quite as not nearly as much fun uh in my opinion I don't know with the, with the draft you're selling like hope and an opportunity and the um yeah I love the scouting process and especially getting to be around a lot of these ACC guys it's certainly fun when those names come up especially and for this it's usually when you're when you're thinking trade deadline at least with the Hornets it's just you know in years past it's like are they going to sell are they going to uh you know they going to be buyers and and ship off too much for some marginal piece and and now you get to be on the opposite side of that, which is like, well, they're definitely not going to be buyers, but 
are they going to be aggressive enough of sellers to move off of any of the things they have that could potentially work? And so, no, it's not, it's not like a particularly uh, fun spot to be. And I, I much prefer the draft. Um, but, but the trade deadline is sort of like, you know, kind of one of the last before the lottery is sort of like one of the big uh, kind of like milestones between now and the, in the middle of May. That's going to kind of shape the, you know, the next year, next couple of years for the Hornets. So this obviously this matters quite a bit. I, I, the only thing I'll add is that uh, when we were talking uh, pre-production, I believe is what they call it in the biz. Um, I'm just going to speak into existence that Mitch is going to make a trade while we're recording and we're just going to all <laughs> lose our minds collectively with our audience. So here's to hoping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Kupchak has traded PJ Washington and the Denver first round pick for Kyle Kuzma. Uh, <laughs> so the Hornets are going to try to try to get to the play and playing spot here <laughs> gonna make a final push here chips all in push yeah. the chips <laughs> again i did perhaps nervous as well i'm excited nervous <laughs> what's well, funny spencer and i recorded a podcast i don't know week and a half ago where it said will mitch stay idle and i, I think that title was mostly uh as a joke or half joking and as we get closer to this date of february 9th it feels like it's more and more of a possibility that it could happen. And that to me would be a big mistake. And, and Brian was talking about in seasons past where the Hornets could be that eighth, ninth, 10 position where they might make a bigger move to up their chances to make the playoffs. But in the situation that they are in now, sure, they can just ride out the season. Um, and, you know, they may not be in the bottom three right now. They're currently in the bottom four as San Antonio has dropped below them. But I do think with the way that this roster is constructed with a couple of expiring contracts, uh, with some decisions to be made in the free agency, I do think it would be a big mistake for the Hornets to sit this one out. And even if it just means, I keep saying this, even if it just means something small, getting off Mason Plumley to get a second round pick or something of that nature. Because I think when you come up on this offseason where you have decisions to be made, with P.J. Washington and, and Jalen McDaniels, I, both are going to be back. So maybe one of them could be out the door. So is there a sense, Lee, that Charlotte might not make a move uh, before February 9th? And how disappointed would you be with that decision? Yeah, I, I agree, Richie, in the sense that, like, I would say, like, maybe five to ten days ago, I started to, like, get this feeling in my gut. I was like, wait, like, we're all far too convinced that they're going to do something like like we we are just like we're just all like us hornets twitter like nba pontificators everybody's just like oh like of course they're going to move Ubre. of course they're going to move plumley you know and even some people you know maybe rightfully believe that the right thing to do would be even be even move a bigger piece like a rosier or a pj so i have started to get this creeping sensation that mitch is going to sit on his hands and I, I would, I would say I would be like mildly disappointed. I mean, at the end of the day, I do think this team is mostly bad enough as constructed to stay in that like top five window. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do have my concerns that a healthy Lamelo Ball will kind of accidentally drag this teams to like three more wins than they than they need, but. So, so I'll just recap it all by saying 
yes, I'm definitely, my antennas are absolutely up that Mitch is going to literally do nothing. Um, number two, I would be like mildly to moderately disappointed, but at the end of the day, like we're, we're getting off the Plumlee and Ubre money either way. So if we don't get a fringe G League young prospect and a protected second round pick for them, like, is it really a massive deal? I would say no. I mean, you think back to what they did last year, they, they acquired Harold for a similar package. I think the season before, I think they got Wanamaker at the deadline, I believe that was two seasons ago. So the barrel I mean, Mitch has done little line. things here and there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was when like every single one of our backup guards hurt. They literally needed like a yeah. warm body. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So, so, so those are my thoughts, boys. Yeah. I mean, I think I would be like similar. I, I, I mirror a lot of Lee's thoughts. I would be moderately disappointed. I think there's some low hanging fruit for them to add add a future piece, whether it be a, a young player or a young prospect, a, a second draft prospect, um, future second round picks. You know, I don't think they have any surefire, like awesome pieces to trade, but there's a couple solid veterans that are having big years. I mean, Plumlee's having probably the best season of his career and Perhaps yeah. Ubre was as well, but I know his injury maybe complicates his you know, his trade value or trade availability some. I do think, you know, Lee, you were sort of talking about this. Like it it just sort of got into the NBA like online ether that like the Hornets were gonna make a move. And I and I get that because people covering the league, people that follow the league can can see that the team is bad, that they're backsliding, that they need to obviously like lean into the tank and the rebuild and well, if that's the case, then if you, other things you could do kind of more along the margins before the draft, before the lottery, that type of stuff is what do you have to to move off of to try to get some stuff in return and, and also maybe in the short term, you know, make the roster uh, not quite as competitive and, and perhaps clear the deck a little bit for some younger development pieces to get playing time. Just why it, it really does just seem so obvious that they should try to move Plumley. Like it's an expiring contract. You sell high on him. And you can play forty minutes a night of center with with Nick Richards and and Mark Williams. Like it, it seems to make so much sense. Yeah, I'd not be surprised, and I would be moderately disappointed because this does seem like a, an opportunity. And when you're a you know small market rebuild situation, you have but only so many opportunities to sort of like you know replenish and and do things to to help build the roster. And so, anyways, this is definitely an opportunity, but this is just a front office. That doesn't seem to have a ton of motivation to seek stuff out, you know, on the margins, or at least to to maybe seek it out and then actually follow through with it. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked either way, and would only be probably a little disappointed um, if they sort of, uh, you know, stray from what I think are would be best practices in terms of team build and, and don't pull off a trade for, uh, you know, shipping out at least one of these veterans. Yeah, I mean you. I was just going to say, I mean, you guys have laid it out well. I, I think I would just be like, I'd be moderately surprised if they don't trade one of Plumlee or Ubre, uh, just being expirings. You know, I mean, those are two guys that I think you can plug into a winning roster and could give you playoff minutes. I wouldn't have said that about Plumlee entering the season, but like Brad said, I mean, might be having the best year of his career. Um, I, I, actually, I think that's probably not even a debate. Like, he probably is playing the best basketball ever. That he's ever played so um and also you know i mean he holds a record over will chamberlain now so what can we not get 
uh, for Mason Plumley at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, we're going to talk about a few players. I do think that PJ Washington probably has uh, more value in the market than even owners like us would imagine. Uh, and I think that is interesting to monitor as we approach February the 9th. But, you know, it sounds like Charlotte does uh, is interested uh, in retaining him, which is interesting in itself, considering they had the they, they could have just already done that. <laughs> so a very hornest thing of them to do that just extended him before we got to this point. But, yeah, I, it, they're going to be active, I think. But active could lead to no trades being done, right? Like both can kind of be true. And that's where I think having a seven-year-old GM um, who's has a history of not being active can can come back to get you. So I have no doubt the phones are ringing off the hook, but Mitch could just get uh, he could just get cold feet as he's known to be uh, known to do or sleepy yeah, or sleepy or just needs to go to bed at nine o'clock. So, you know, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Danny in the uh, chat says, I think Plumlee ends up in Boston. So, yeah, I think Plumlee, we, we keep mentioning him, and Ubre too. I think the expiring contract, like, both works in their favor, but also, like, against them as well. Because if, if a team is trying to acquire one of these two, they do know that if it, you know, doesn't work out, it's only going to be for this half season. But by the same breath, if the Hornets are trying to get off one of these guys... They probably shouldn't expect too much coming back their way because they do know it's it's somewhat of a rental here. So that's that's kind of the debate that not just the Hornets are having, but also opposing teams. Plumlee to Boston is I don't I don't know if I quite see it, but it is a little interesting. You know, he just becomes like Robert Williams insurance, I guess. You know, who's been he's a really important player for them. Obviously, Plumlee's nowhere near the same talent or defensive player that Williams is. Um, and they've got Horford, but you know, he, and I guess the other thing would be if they trade, if Boston traded for Plumlee, you know, a team like Brooklyn that Boston could be in contention with for the Eastern Conference that could also be in the market for Mason Plumlee. You know, you maybe take away a, a possible trade, a, like a way for Brooklyn to possibly upgrade the roster too. So maybe there's a little added benefit. That's interesting. I don't know if I quite see that one, but I, I could see at least some of the logic behind it for the, for the Celtics. All right, guys, do we all agree that Plumlee, out of anyone on this roster, feels like the the most tradable or the one that has the most potential to be traded? Would you? Would anyone disagree I, with well, that? I think that Ubre and Plumlee are on the same... 1A, 1B? I, I think they're in the same tier. In my Like, yeah. Ubre, 
albeit, you know, we've talked about his defensive limitations, but he's a wing that can shoot. Is he streaky? Yes, but he can be a flamethrower in the right situation. And he's still a wing. Like he's more switchable than Plumley is. So I think when you when you start having the conversation about playoffs and guys that you can actually have out there in serious situations, if Ubre's having a good game offensively, he can be in a good team's final five just because it's his night, right? Not because on paper he's always going to be in the final five, but I actually think those two guys are on the same tier. Obviously with Ubre, the injury uh, is a question mark, but I think the Hornets would be more than happy, along with Ubre's agent, to share all medical reports. I mean, it was reported to be a four- to six-week injury. Like, I'm not that concerned about that, other than maybe the conditioning of Ubre. But you're not you're not trading for Ubre to come in and be, you know, give you a spark day one. I think you're trading for him because you think he can be in your playoff rotation, right? So, Lee, let me go to you real quick. Rank rank the top five Hornets players that feel like they have the most potential to be traded. So I would agree that Plumlee and Ubre are certainly the most likely. With the caveat that I've kind of maintained this entire time that and, and I'm not I'm to be clear, I'm not saying that this is the front office's kind of like mandate or vision. I'm just saying from my perspective, if you truly want to guarantee a top three pick trading Rozier is the path to that. Uh, I know that that is far more complicated than trading Ubre or Plumlee, which is why they're more likely. I guess the point I'm just trying to make is that if this front office comes, you know, out of their war room or whatever with the objective of securing a top three pick, trading Rozier is the path to that. So I, I put him as kind of third. And then... Um, I put PJ fourth and then fifth, I had, uh, James book night. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. I mean, as like a sweetener in a deal or something, um, we'll talk about the group of guys that I got from a trade re- fake trade research standpoint later. I'm just like pretty convinced they're not going to trade McDaniels. Um, that might be an incorrect opinion. He might get traded while we're on this podcast, but <laughs> I <laughs> I just, uh, I really like McDaniels. Um, he's ob- like, I don't need to go through all the reasons why McDaniels is awesome. I'm just pretty convinced, potentially, fr- potentially naively, that they won't trade him. It's also harder to match his salary. Well, I mean, yeah. it's like one yeah. something. I mean, it's just like yeah. at that point, you're just giving up on McDaniels and you're expecting not to have any kind of sway in the offseason. That would be half, you know. That would have to be the inclination. They're like, okay, we're just going to give up on McDaniel's. Maybe we get a second round well, pick. Um, with, that would, or, he's, or he's a piece of a bigger trade. with with McDaniel's. I think the rub is like it just has to be a first round pick in return. Because to your point, Richie, yeah. the salary is so hard. To, it's not hard to match. It's actually super. I mean, it's hard to match I mean, in terms of a player that's going to make sense, right? To, to Charlotte, right. You know, yes. a contributor. So it's going to have to be a rookie contract or a minimum free agent. Uh, so then. Yeah, to Lee's point, like I just don't see why Charlotte would trade him and not take it into unrestricted free agency if they're not getting a first-round pick in return. Yeah, so I agree with a lot with what you said, Lee, uh, but I do have P.J. Washington third over Terry Rozier only because of the years remaining on on Rozier's uh, contract. I know that I've kind of been harping on that, but I, I just think it's going to be so hard to trade him because of that. I think that just just negates some of the value that he has on the court 
I would not want to trade PJ Washington, especially if you feel like you have a chance to get him back in the offseason. But, you know, he still has a risk attached to him, too. Like, you know, if, if a team is trading for him, they do realize that it is a rental and it's not a long term thing because he goes into the offseason as a restricted free agent. And I don't think the Hornets will trade Jalen either. And if they do trade Jalen, I, I keep saying this, they better do everything in their power to keep PJ because I think those two are, are connected. If, if PJ is traded, you better hold on to Jalen. If Jalen is traded, you better hold on to Washington. So I think I have mine Plumley one, Ubre two, Washington three, Rozier fourth on the, uh, the roster as the most likely to be traded. And I just put McDaniels as five. But again, it, it's not going to be both Washington and McDaniels. Book night, I just didn't put on there just because I don't think that there's interest out there. But to your point, Lee, it's, it's going to be more of just like a, a throw-in. Yeah, I mean, I am I pretty much have the same order as as you guys. Plumley, I, I do have one. Uh, 1A, 1B with Ubre. Uh, Rosier, 3. Yeah, PJ, 4. And, I mean, just tough because some of the hypotheticals to come up with for with PJ, there are some teams where he makes a lot of sense for I think and you can at least find salary to to match the to match but he becomes some he becomes just so much of a, a one-year rental it's like some of these teams that I think he would make a lot of sense work and really help now it, it's just really they're so attached to three or four other salaries huge salaries going forward it's just tough to see them squeezing PJ into the long-term future and if that's the case then you know what are you getting in return? Does it make more sense? We've talked about this now, but you know, luckily, if you if ultimately the goal, like you know, ultimately PJ isn't traded, you bring him back in free agency this summer, you, know, you can always move him again. I mean, maybe maybe he even has more trade value down the line. Um, you know, two years into a second contract or something like that. So, or or hell, maybe he's a, a piece long term here. Like you wish Hayward could be mentioned here, but. It just does it. It just feels kind of like say, none, of, none of us have said him yet. I was. Just I mean, about... he he was he was fit for me. Okay, okay. But like, I mean, he's just that. It just it does seem like more and more that they're just going to take it into next year with him. Like the contract is, you know, yeah, just yeah. I mean, it's just one year left on it. So yeah. maybe maybe that becomes the that that becomes the the thing. But he's obviously a tough guy to trade for because just what his where his salary is the amount of like teams that would be willing to you know match salaries and trade for for a player like Hayward who is talented but expensive and um often injured just while we're here because I don't really think we're going to talk much about Hayward on this podcast um I think the only possible way he's moved if it's like a Rosier Hayward package for Westbrook going to LA like that's the I I've scanned the league that's yep. the only one I can see. That's the only you one. Know, and, and you yep. can talk about picks yep. and like what's going here and there. But like salary-wise, that's it. Other than that, I, that, yeah. that, that's the one I just assume like the door was mostly, I mean, maybe it's not. I just assume the door, maybe you feel the same way too. Like that's the one deal. And I feel like if that was going to happen, it had to happen maybe before the season. I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it kind of depends on what the Lakers are trying to do, I guess, because... You know, Russ's playmaking is like kind of important for them too. So, but I guess if you get Rozier and Hayward, then maybe you've got it's you know you're still viable without LeBron on the court all the yeah, time. Yeah, and it's just it's a total bet for them on, on Hayward's health. And just if you come here, you got to play, man. Like period. End of discussion. 
And so it's a huge <laughs> bet. But like, you know, it's I, I wouldn't say it's inconceivable either because something tells me the Lakers still might be approaching the one yard line of a of a huge bet before February 9th. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, so we're going to get into a segment where each of us have claimed a player or players, and we are going to present a fake trade that we came up with, and hopefully you guys ran it through the machine and it it works out. And after that, we'll talk about, you know, maybe who would say no in the deal, if we would potentially do it if we were Mitch Kupchak and all that type of stuff. So, Spencer, you were up first, and I believe you claimed Terry Rozier. Is that correct? I did. And sorry, you know I couldn't help myself. I, I have two. So just bear with me, but I'll go fast. All right. So Terry Rozier, we talked about him uh, a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. You know, I, I think there's a lot of teams sniffing around. His utility is obvious. He's a great shooter. He's really coming on in the past month or so, but the contract holds you down, right? I mean, you got three more years. Uh, and as I was scanning teams, I found so many that need shooting that are in playoff contention, obviously most in the West. And basically anybody in the West outside of the top two can talk themselves into, why don't we just go for it this year? So I found a lot of teams that could use him, but his contract really is, to no one's surprise, an issue because of the the timeline on it. Um, here's my first one. New Orleans needs shooting. I do think that I do think that like Memphis, and that's not my other team, but I do think like Memphis, they should really think hard about going for it now. So here's the trade I came up for with New Orleans, and it doesn't involve picks. Should it, could it? Absolutely. We, you know, you guys send me your rebuttals, your suggestions there, but this is a three for three. The Hornets are getting Devontae Graham, welcome home. Bill? Jackson Hayes with on an expiring contract or, or end of his rookie contract, so they would have the rights there. And Kira Lewis, one of my, uh, back from old times, uh, fell in love with this guy during the draft process. The, the Hornets will be sending to the Pelicans Terry Rozier, Nick Richards, and James Booknight. So in a lot of ways, this is a true challenge trade, if you will. I mean, once you, like... Kira versus Book Knight, Jackson versus Richards. Obviously, Jackson has a little bit more experience. Um, and then Devontae is kind of like we're, the Hornets are taking that salary in because he's got two more years after this one. Um, so from that perspective, you could argue like, well, Charlotte should be getting a second round pick or a heavily protected first round pick. That's fine. I just want to make the salaries work. They do. Um, let's see. The Hornets will be... 
the Hornets will be saving about five million on this trade, and the Pelicans will will, will obviously be on the opposite end of that, taking on five million extra. The kicker with this trade is that it takes the Pelicans over the tax by about a little over three million dollars, but they could dump Garrett Temple somewhere the same day and get under the tax. So this is the one where I thought it makes sense for both parties. I just don't think that Kira Lewis or Jackson Hayes are going to be a serious part of New Orleans' playoff rotation, nor Devontae Graham. So, and you're and we're giving them a player that clearly will be a play a part of their playoff rotation, and and Terry Rozier. Um, and then, you know, the book night, Kira Lewis, and like I said, Richard Jackson Hayes is kind of the challenge part of it. Like, good luck. Yeah, let's yeah. bet on your player development. So this is the favorite one that I came up with. I think it makes sense for both sides. Uh, again, didn't put a pick in here, but I can hear everyone watching now saying, wait, wait, where, where's the pick that Charlotte should be getting? And I agree, they should be getting something, but I was really just trying to make the, the salaries work here. So quickly, because I know we got a lot to get through. Any thoughts there? Yeah. No, it's funny. I was watching an NBA game the other night on NBA TV. I feel like Kira Lewis was actually having a good game. I can't remember which game it was. Uh, I have not watched a lot of the Pelicans this season. I think you would obviously, with giving up Richards and maybe the uncertainty with Mason Plumley, would you assume that Mason Plumley would be coming back next year with this trade to solidify that center rotation? That'd be something that had to go through your mind. The book, the book night part, I just don't care about. So him going to New Orleans is fine. New Orleans is getting the best player in the deal with Rozier. Bringing back Devontae Graham, and that that's nostalgia. I, I wouldn't mind that. And it, it feels like, from what you said, Spencer, he has one less year than Carey, yeah. which to me... I think um, it's only one. ...is, is yeah. another good Yeah, and I just see the Jack... Like, I like Nick Richards a lot. I would love for him to stay in Charlotte and see Charlotte give him a contract because I think it's going to be very fair value. But, like, you got to give something up to get something, right? And I think that get, they'd get a yeah. pick back. So it's like you have to part ways with Richards and say... This really athletic Jackson Hayes, big, who is, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was a lottery pick, wasn't he? Like, let, let's let's get this guy in return, and and he doesn't have value a lot on the market, I don't think, so you're going to be able to resign him on a decent deal, and you're moving forward with Mark Williams anyways, so let these two, bring these two guys in, in into camp with a rebuilding roster again next year, let them compete. Like I, I, that says that part makes sense to me. I think Kyra Lewis is like, I think he has a chance to be like a real NBA player too. And I think the Pelicans, if they do hang on to Lewis, they they probably need to still get Devonte out of there because they got to find some way to creating more playing time for that guy um, at, at some point, which is kind of tough because now they're trying to get back into the the top of the West and you know how do you manage all of that? It's kind of a lot of moving pieces, especially when you're. Two temples are, you know, out right now. Or I guess Ingram just came back. But well, and, um, and just Alvarado's just been so good. Kira hasn't been able right. to play. Like, yeah, too. yeah. Yep. Yeah, hit hit development, and then certainly, you know, they trade for McCollum midseason last year, and just like it's changed the math in their backcourt quite a lot. And again, you've got two forwards that want to be on the ball a lot too with with Zion and, and Bi. So it, it's tough to develop the a third or fourth point guard. You know. In, in that ecosystem, especially when the, the goal is to try to, you know, compete, maybe win a championship. As far as like second drafting, you know, a guy like Lewis would be all, he would be here for it. 
I don't even know if I want to call it second drafting Hayes because like he was kind of a rotation player for the Pelicans last last year and some of those weird yeah, the, this year it's all changed. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, to be able to get off of like Rozier's long term money is like a win. You know, in a way, I think that's a in a way I think that like maybe the way to think of it is like it saves you a pick. Do you know yeah. what I mean? From having yep. to like move a pick maybe at some point in the future to get off Rozier's salary. If that, I don't know if that helps people sort of like think about the trade or feel better about it. Maybe that's one other thing to consider. Yeah. And I think New Orleans can move Rozier again, but anyways, and I should say to, to kind of wrap this trade up, if I were running Charlotte right now and New Orleans was like, yeah, let's do this. I would do it without, I would ask for the pick obviously. And then they would say no, yeah. and I would say let's do it, let's do it because I I do think you're getting a good chunk of equity in Kira Lewis, who's got he's not even at the last year of his rookie contract, and Jackson Hayes, who you can re-sign to a very very fair fair value on a cap sheet that's super clean. That I, I like if just one of those guys were to hit two or three years from now, you probably won this trade. So I I I, yeah. I think I would do it without a pick. All right, so here's my second one. Uh, I've been I've been vulturing this team for a long time, and there's a lot of different machinations and trades that you can do. It actually works a lot, and they have an owner that's willing to pay into the tax for never forever and ever. Is. Amen. Um, uh, the Clippers, and I played through a lot of different ones. I really did. I was on this for like 45 minutes today. I was like, I got to get my life together. But the one I landed on was sending Plumley and Rozier to the Clippers. In a package for John Wall, Reggie Jackson, Amir Coffee, Jason, Jason Preston. So obviously Plumley and Rozier. Like I think Plumley could be super important for the Clippers, maybe more so than any other team in the league, in my opinion. Zubach is their guy, but he's got clear limitations. And I think Plumley covered he's just the perfect counterpart to what to what Zubach really can't bring to the table. Rozier, I, I just He's exactly, I mean, they're already a pretty good three-point shooting team, but they don't have a lot of movement shooters. And or really, they don't have any movement shooters, to be honest. So I think that he is just tailor-made for this roster and taking them from in the mix in the West to they would be one of my top two picks. Uh, and then what Charlotte's getting in, in return, you know, I think John Wall, like I think the Clippers would, try to give you a hard time about that one, but I think when push came to shove, they would do it. Uh, he's got one year after this one, I think, left on his contract. Reggie Jackson's expiring. Amir Coffey's in a very small number for two more years. Jason Preston, similar to Kira Lewis, uh, one more year after this one, his rookie contract, and just kind of, uh, let's see if we can scratch something out of this guy. Um, always respect him. He beat Virginia in the NCAA tournament when he played for Ohio, so uh, I don't like this one as much as I like the New Orleans one, but I do think it makes yeah. a lot of sense for both sides. No picks included. We just get that that those young really one. I mean, Jacob Preston's really the, like he's the you know that's what you get from this deal. Yeah, and yeah, and you and you move off for a zero salary Correct. too. Yeah, yeah. So there's that there's that benefit as well. Yeah, that, that's the biggest benefit I see from this. I, I do like your first one a little bit better, uh, Spencer, but. Again, in terms of like the fairness, I, I, I can see how the Clippers would be enticed to do this. Yes. Um, I would like to see Ty Lue draw up floppy action with Luke Kennard and Terry Rozier, too. I could see that. I could see Ty Lue being into that. And uh, 
I think Plumlee is a guy that also would invite more movement mm-hmm. if you inject him into it because it's uh, you throw it to him and you can you know second units and play off of him you know at the elbow play off him in the post use him in the short roll like there's a lot of you know he just he invites movement with his ability to be like a front court passing hub. Last thing that I know we got to move on, but I the amount of ways I tried to get Kennard to Charlotte is disgusting. Like I I looked, <laughs> I looked at so many different, but I knew the Clippers like. Rosier for Kennard. It's yeah. just going to kind of boil down to that. And it just doesn't make sense for the Clippers. So, yeah, the only maybe that maybe you would try to get Boston instead of Preston, maybe, but that might be a deal breaker for the Clippers potentially. You know, I, they might yeah. they, they go to no. On yeah, I looked at that, Lee. The it, only reason I took him out is just because I think the Clippers would rather keep Boston versus Preston since they're getting a guard, you know, so. Well, yes. I mean, I I would yeah. probably rather have Boston than Preston, honestly. Yeah, Same. I think I think they're both worth taking a, a crack on. Like, I, I think Preston is a is an intriguing young player that we've just seen very little of him against NBA competition. But I really liked him coming into the twenty twenty one draft, and, and I actually thought Boston got devalued after his one tough season at Kentucky, and is you know very young, is young and still worth. Uh, you know, long-term investment in terms of development. I guess, you know, I see James is making comments here about Rozier being a team leader. I think it's something to 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 consider. I think his closeness with LaMelo Ball is probably something that has to be considered as well. And um, you know, that's 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 tough, especially because like you know, ultimately, I don't think the Rosier Lamella backcourt long term is the thing you absolutely want to hit your wagon to. Yeah. So at some point, you got to make a decision. And is it now, or do you kick the can down the road to the off season or next trade deadline? Yeah. And and to comment on James' um, comment too about is his is Rosier's salary really that bad, especially especially in a year or two? The answer is no. It's I, it's really not that bad, James. But. Yeah. What comes into play is that you're you're trying to trade him to teams in the West mostly that are once you trade him into that cap, they're bumping up against the tax. And there's only so many owners in the league um that are gonna buy hard and pay the tax. Like Denver, who I would say is probably the favorite uh to win the championship. Like they have an owner who an or ownership group rather that is probably just not gonna pay the tax unless they absolutely know they have a chance. So that was the difficulty going through Rosier trades is that there's a lot of teams I know would love to have him and I'm sure have made calls, but they're not going to take their cap 10 million into the tax to make it happen, right? Where the trade rules would allow it to happen, but they're not going to do it because they can't get under the tax. The owner's just not going to pay it. So, you know, rich people are cheap. That's, that's the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's especially interesting for someone like, you know, Stan Kroenke that, runs Denver and again he just access to just uh, unlimited capital for someone like that to be cheap is just like literally have access to their own television deal television network the whole deal like it's but you know this is the NBA thing we've learned over and over again these guys are mostly he's got to spend it all on Arsenal he's got to he's got to spend it (laughs) well you know he owns the he owns the Rams too and uh isn't he near into the Walton family, if I by my, I think I'm, rem- I think I'm correct on that. Anyways, I don't want to talk about uh, billionaires anymore on uh, <laughs> on this podcast. Um, 
All right, next up, PJ Washington. I'll go through this quickly because I actually need to, I'm going to have to probably tip out of here a little bit early. Uh, Apologies um, in advance. But um, yeah, went through some hypotheticals with PJ Washington. We've talked about hypothetical PJ traits for a while now. I know we did, Spencer, you and I did a pod back in December where we talked at length about PJ trades. And there was one pod I did with, I think Lee and Richie the week before, week after, where we we kicked the can on the PJ to Golden State trade packages, even before those kind of started making, I think, slightly more national uh, national waves. So I will go through PJ to Golden State hypotheticals because we've we've actually talked about that a, a decent amount already on the pod, and it does seem like you know, Zach Lowe reported this, and this was getting aggregated in a lot of other places it does seem like he didn't report this he mentioned on his podcast but it was getting aggregated as if it were sort of newsworthy in a lot of other locations which was um you know the hornets are you know leaning towards keeping pj and and, you know keeping him in the fold and it's going into restricted free agency and and bringing him back this offseason um i think that that still makes a lot of sense and in part because you can you can always flip PJ again down the road if, if you need to, um, and so maybe maybe it is the best bet to bring him back. He's having a tough, but I think pretty good season um, in a, in a lot of ways. Certainly on the defensive end of the court, um, there were also a lot of teams that like I thought it was worthwhile to come up with with fake PJ trades for. Um, I kicked the can again on those Golden State ones. I looked at. Um, you know, Cleveland with PJ. Um, I, I don't know how much how much of a need there is for him there, especially with Kevin Love uh, coming back into the rotation. But thought thought that was kind of interesting. I thought maybe even a team like Portland could be interested. I thought maybe there might be something with Sac, like if Sacramento was trying to upgrade the Trey Lyles and Kaziak Pala minutes. But you know, again, it was tough to sort of find a, a great deal for him unless you thought Davey Mitchell plus you know Alex Len for PJ I don't see Sack wanting to move off of Davion Mitchell you know he's kind of you know he's in the rotation for them and they're a good Western Conference playoff team right now so uh, where I did end up landing was uh the aforementioned uh Denver Nuggets actually and what we know with Denver is that this team has one of the best starting lineups in the NBA, Murray, KCP, Porter Jr., uh, Gordon, and Jokic. And those lineups, when you sub in Bruce Brown for one of those guys, are are really, really good too. Uh, Denver's out a lot of first-round picks. They're out of 2025 first to Orlando, 2027 to OKC. And, of course, Charlotte has rights on their 2023 first-round pick. So they're, they're a little encumbered in terms of like what they can offer if you're hunting for picks. And it, obviously, they've got... A cheap owner, as Spencer was just saying, and they've got a lot of money tied up in Murray, Jokic, Porter Jr., and um, actually, I want to say Gordon probably too, at least to an extent. So this really would be, you know, at most a, a rental, um, and and I'm not even sure if it's something that uh, I don't know how it would impact their their tax line here either. But um, PJ would give the Nuggets a legit stretch four next to Jokic. He can cut. He can play without the ball. He's got that little floater push shot. Um, you know, Gordon has been awesome, but he doesn't really stretch the court. So PJ's a guy that you could 
even play at some backup center minutes. Like it does feel like Denver's been kind of just like scrapping that stuff together to an extent. So I was kind of thinking maybe maybe I'm shooting low here for a player like PJ that I think is 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 really you know a nice young player. But I was kind of thinking like second draft options. So Zeke Naji, PJ Washington, that works financially. Naji is like kind of in the rotation, um, or at least has been some for this season. But it's a prospect I like. I liked in the 2020 draft. Peyton Watson's a guy that struggled a lot at. UCLA last season he was played very very little this year but I liked him um in the pre-college scouting process I liked watching him play for the team USA World Cup team in 2021 on that roster so maybe I'm aiming short but PJ Washington to Denver uh, as the Nuggets really try to like load up and grab one more piece um to perhaps solidify title contention status in the Hornets get um, you know, two, uh, you know, I guess interesting young prospects in return. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right in terms of uh, selling a little bit low on PJ, but you know, I think the market is is going to be difficult with the fact that he is a rental, as you say, Brian. I did not scout Naji out of Arizona that much, so I'm not really sure what he brings to the um, to the NBA level. Like what it what like. Lee, what what's his like one skill that he had out of Arizona coming into the league that might translate? He could stretch the floor. Uh, he's kind of a, I mean, he's like a seven footer, but he's like kind of a finesse uh-huh. seven footer. Um, you know, some rim protection flashes, stuff like that. I, 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 he was my favorite of the three Arizona prospects that year. Um, Josh Green and uh, who's the point Nico, guard? Brian? Nico Mannion. He's Nico not even in the NBA. He's abroad now. He's in Europe. He's out of the league, right? Yeah. And Josh Green probably has had the most success so far. To be fair, yeah. um, he's had a nice. I mean, he's really turned into a player for uh for yeah, Dallas. Yeah, he's helping Dallas. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think Richie had put it in the chat. I mean, could you push for hot? Could you push for bones? Yes, yeah. even even better. I mean, if it was if it was you know bones and. Uh, and um Watson Watson yeah I mean I, I mean that would be that would probably make a little bit more sense in terms of like you know what you're getting in return I don't know how you guys feel about Highland um it'd be a bent on the creation upside for him which I think is kind of an interesting move um for for Charlotte to maybe to take a bet on as they're kind of rebuilding here like I like Highland but he obviously is is uh is bad defensively and yeah. offensively you know you are it it's a bent on, um, you know, kind of like an electric yet erratic offensive young guard. So there's, you know, it can go a lot of different ways when you when you put all your, uh, you know, if you kind of uh, uh, go in that direction with there's the player. A lot, there's a lot of monk and bones, which is interesting. Yeah. For, yeah. There's for a sh- lot of uh, watching Terquavion Smith at NC State. I think there's, that's a, there's a, a fair one. amount of... Yep. That's there's a that's a co- obvious comparison there as well. I, I like this trade, BG. I really do. Um, I like Zeke Naji a lot. I mean, I've seen a, a fair amount of the Nuggets this year just because they're so freaking fun to watch. Um, you know, defensive concerns, of course. You know, he's thin as a rail. Uh, is that exactly what the Hornets need? Eh, I don't know. But I think you're getting good value if you could put him in this trade. But even if it's even if uh-huh. it's Peyton and Zeke. Uh, I, I still think that that that's 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 pretty dang fair. I think if the Hornets were in the mindset that like, look, we didn't extend PJ Washington because 
we didn't want to, like we meant this. Let, now l- let's see what we can get for him. If you can get two rookie contracts that can be in your rotation, like heck yeah, let's go. Yeah. But it, yeah, I, now it seems like they've, they've pivoted there. The one thing I would say about Zeke is that, you know, now you got Mark Williams, Zeke, and Nick Richards. So does, you know, would you make this deal a little earlier and then shop Richards elsewhere because now you got a traffic jam there? But, you know, hey, good. Having three good centers compete with each other also and, and just carrying them into the season and trading one later also isn't the worst thing in the world. In four good centers when you draft Victor Webbanyama yeah, uh, with the number one pick <laughs> this, this coming true. summer. Um, all right, guys, I'm, I apologize. I got to bounce, but um, look forward to it. was fun chatting and look forward to I'll listening to this. I'll text you my Fortnite trades, BG. Don't right, worry. For, I, I want to know. All right, sorry. Old Knight for Spencer Percy, straight up. No picks involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I think it's funny that we're at the point of the season where I think multiple people on this podcast have had book night rants. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I will say, I saw a game of him in Greensboro, the G League recently, or a few weeks back, where it didn't look, uh, guys, it didn't look pretty uh, on either end of the court. So there's, uh, wherever the panic button is, uh, they should be mashing it right about now, I think. Yeah. All right, I'll talk to you all later. Right. See you, Brian. See you. All right, we're going to go ahead and finish up this conversation here, and, and I'm kind of up against the clock as well, so... I know that Lee and I have yet to present our fake trades, and I was assigned Plumley. Or actually, I chose Plumley. I chose Plumley to come up with a fake trade. And as I was talking about this uh, before the podcast, in terms of how hard it was for me to do this, because knowing that there is some, I want to say, risk in going for Plumley, but as an opposing team, you would want Plumley if you're trying to get over the hump. Uh, whether that means you're going from you know the sixth seed to try to get into the top half of your conference, or maybe you're just trying to solidify your spot in the playoffs. I don't think a team you know that that is rebuilding would take on Plumley. So we've also had conversations too, like you know Plumley is at his peak in terms of his value right now, and would he garner a first round pick? No, but I started thinking. Can I attach a second round pick to Plumley to get a first round pick? So trying to add those values together to maybe get a first round pick, even if it means that we have to be patient for a year or two. So I have two quick trades like you, Spencer, and I'm just going to present both of them at the same time. They're fairly um, small in terms of what, what's included here. It's just player for player and pick for pick. So first one is with OKC. Now, OKC is a team that probably is just going to stand pat. They are kind of in that play-in range, and they're playing really well over their expectations. But I think Plumlee fits perfectly with the offense that they do have. And so there's a player in OKC that's completely out of the rotation, and it wouldn't necessarily be a player that the Hornets would like trade to try to groom, and hopefully he'd be part of the future. It's just more of, hey, what can Plumlee add for OKC this season? and see if they can get a little bit farther up in the playoff race. So my trade with OKC is Plumley, and then our 2023 second-round pick, like this this upcoming draft, from Utah goes to OKC. And in exchange, we get Baisley, and we get a future first-round pick in 2025. So you're getting off Plumley if you didn't expect him to come back next season, and the first-round pick is only coming our way because we're attaching a second. 
And then the second trade is with Dallas. Dallas, the the center rotation has been a little bit iffy over there. They've had injuries. I don't think they would go for it because the player that I'm including here is starting to get hot for Dallas. And it's the same concept, Plumley plus the second round pick. So it'd be Plumley and a second round pick, the 2023 second round pick. We would be getting Reggie Bullock, who has this season, I think next season, which is partially guaranteed, and we'd be getting their first round pick. I think they, I actually think Dallas might be less likely to do this because they have a lot of first round picks tied up. So I don't even know if they could even do it next season because of the Stepien rule. So it might have to be like in 2024 or like 2026 or something to that nature. But Dallas needs shot makers. And, uh, you know, Plumlee doesn't do that, but he can definitely ignite the offense. So what are, what are you guys' thoughts in terms of that? Like Plumlee by himself can't get a first-round pick, but maybe attaching a second-round pick to get a future. Can you say the first one one more time? Sorry. Yeah, the first one, the first one yep. is Plumlee plus our 2023 20, second-round pick from Utah for Baisley. And I, I could care less about Baisley, but it's just like a future first-round pick. Okay, got it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the OKC one better. I don't, I don't think Dallas would do that. Yeah, I mean, the OKC one, like, I would even let them, like, top 25 protect it, right? And then and then let it convert into two seconds. Like, I would even do it then. Because I don't think Baisley is like, you know, Baisley is like a four and a half, would you say, Lee? You know, he's kind of a weird, I, I don't really know that he's ever going to. And I th- honestly, I think with, like, as many good young players as OKC has and as many draft picks they have, like, I think they're going to probably have to cut Baisley next year anyway yeah, true. for their roster. And he's so redundant to, like, Usman Jang, you know, so, yep. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, in basically that like Charlotte's the perfect place for him next year to figure out. Yeah. Why, he, why will it? Why yeah, not? Yeah. Yeah. See if he belongs in the NBA. And I think if you're getting a, I mean, I don't know if I'd let him top 25 protect it, but maybe I'd let him top 20 protect it to, to just see if I could sneak into the first round with this pick and then take it out. I mean, in 2020, would you say 2025, Richie? Something would like be that. The, okay, yeah. okay, see, I mean, they're going to be pretty dang good. So maybe we could split the difference in top 23 protected, right? Like, I, I think OKC is going to be pretty pretty good in 2025. So if I can get the 25th, 26th pick, like, all right, that's awesome for Mason Bully, in my opinion. Um, but if it can yeah. to two seconds, I'd do, I'd do it anyways, too. Like, you know, I'm not going to haggle too much here. So I really, really like that one. That's actually a great, it's actually a great trade. I, I think the only, and you might have even mentioned, like the only caveat I think is Oklahoma City might just not want to do anything. That's the, but like in terms of like kind of making sense for both teams and squeezing like as much realistic value out of Plumlee, I think that's a pretty sweet spot actually. That the, trade. the other thing with OKC, because I was looking at them earlier, Richie, so I'd have to look at this. I mean, you probably already did, but they have $28 million in dead cap. From Kimball Walker's contract sitting on their books. I thought you were going to say 28 million draft picks. Yeah. Well, they also have 28 million draft picks. I think they have 29 million draft picks, actually. But yeah, they, they've got all this dead cap from the Kimba contract sitting on their books, which I completely forgot about because I was trying to do these trades with them. And I was like, wait a minute, how are they in the tax after this? But they have a ton of dead <laughs> cap uh, from that Kimba deal. So it, and that's certainly not a team that's going to go a cent into the tax. So I'm not sure Plumlee probably wouldn't yeah. take him quite there this season, but any kind of trade where he's going to OKC, 
uh, and Charles taking anything back, they'd have to take equal amount of money back to make sure that they don't go into the tax. That's true. And I think in my situation, that was not the case. I think Baisley is, is worth less. So um, it may not work out in our favor. But my whole, my whole idea was like attaching a second to get a future first. And even if that means being patient and not getting that instant gratification. Totally. So, and you can, you can build off of that. You could find salary, even if you had to bring in a third team to pick here, but just like, we got to fit salary here. Yeah. Like that, that you're onto something big time there. It's close enough to the goal line to where I think you could still make it happen. All right, Lee, go ahead with your uh, fake trade. All right. I'll go quick here. So my, my pick was, I took the young guys, which is, Pretty much Book Knight and Kai Jones. I mean, maybe you could throw in JT Thor for a potential young guy on the block, but you know, with these young guys that haven't really proven themselves, particularly James Book Knight, who is kind of a toxic asset probably at this point, you basically have to go with challenge trades to, to use Spencer's term. Um, so I've got a few names here of either similar, similarly like haven't played much or have un- maybe underachieved. So the first name has already been stolen, Kira Lewis Jr., like first guy I thought of for, like Spencer, loved him in the 2020 draft cycle. He's been stuck behind good players on a good team. And uh, so, you know, you'd probably have to do, you'd probably have to do Book Knight and Kai, for Kyra Lewis, I think the problem with that is, like, what does that do for New Orleans, if anything? You know what I mean? Like, they're trying to win now. I don't know if they're particularly interested in, like, a young prospect swap. The other name that I came up with was Isaac Cora. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. You know, just kind of completely has fallen flat in Cleveland, mostly because they need him, and he just can't quite give them what they need like Cleveland needs one more physical athletic wing that can make shots and he is a you know just horrific shooter at this point in his career so a place where he would have a bit less pressure on him from kind of a performance standpoint I just don't know if Cleveland's going to be really ready to to like give up on him yet and is the prospect of what a redraft book night or future Kai Jones you know, develop it. Is that enough to swing them? Not sure, but it's a name I like for Charlotte. And then the only other one I had was uh, Johnny Davis in Washington. You know, another lottery pick that's disappointed that you could maybe challenge trade book night and four, four or something like that. So that's all I got. It's a little boring because it is a challenge trade, but I would agree. I think, I think Isaac Okoro probably intrigues me the most of the names that you mentioned. I mean, well, Kyra Lewis too, but to your point, Kyra Lewis for Book Knight and Kai Jones. I don't think it does it does enough for New Orleans in that situation. I've always been interested in Isaac Okoro because of the things that he can bring on the defensive side of the court. I don't want to get in a situation again where we have another MKG where there's not much offense either. So yeah, what do you think, Spencer, as we wrap up here? I know Lee's got to get out as well, but uh of those young players that he mentioned, Kyra Lewis, Isaac Okoro, and I think Johnny Davis. Either of those intrigue you? Yeah, I mean, I I like the Okoro um, theoretical. I, you know, I think that uh, you know we'd probably have to certainly give something up there 
you know, just because James Booknight has like zero value left, uh, not that he ever really started with any value uh, in the league. Kira Lewis, yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about that one, you know, with my fake trade. And then who was the other one again? Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis. Uh, yeah, I mean, total mystery. Like really, really good player in Wisconsin. Uh, didn't love him in the draft process. I don't really think any of us did, but worth a swing. Like Johnny, in terms of like fair value for both sides, challenge trade. This is the ultimate challenge trade. Drafted in the same uh, class, um, James Book Knight versus Johnny Davis. I think that's actually no wait. Is Johnny Davis a year younger? He might be. Anyways, I think that one makes a lot of sense because he has been a complete uh, no show in Washington. So that one would make some sense too. Uh, boy, the James Book Knight situation's God so depressing. Yeah, I don't even consider him uh, when it comes to these trade talks because we we had the conversation on the uh, that one podcast. Will Mitch stay idle about him just being a, a throw in and a sweetener? It's it's just there's not going to be a trade centered around Book Knight. If he is traded, it's just going to be because they just have to attach something. So it could be likely that Mitch might stay idle, and we talked about that on the top half of the podcast. And we wanted to thank everyone for joining us today on YouTube and Twitch and on Twitter Spaces. We're up against an hour here, so we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We appreciate the support, guys. For Spencer, who is still with me here on video, but also for Lee and for Brian, we will talk to you guys later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.